The meeting will come to order. Welcome to the November 8, 2023 meeting of the Budget and Finance Committee. I'm Supervisor Connie Chan, Chair of the Committee. I'm joined by Vice Chair Raphael Mendelman. Our clerk is Brent Halipa. I would like to thank Matthew, uh, Matthew Eatonall from SFGov TV for broadcasting this meeting. Mr. Clerk, do you have any announcements? Thank you, Madam Chair. Just a friendly reminder uh, to those in attendance to please make sure to silence all cell phones and electronic devices so as to not to interrupt our proceedings. Uh, and should you have any documents to be included as part of the official file, they should be submitted to myself, the clerk. Uh, public comment will be taken on each item of this agenda. When your item of interest comes up and public comment is called, please line up to speak on the west side of the chamber to your right, my left, along those curtains. And alternatively, you may submit public comment in writing in either of the following ways. Email them to myself, the Budget and Finance Committee clerk at B-R-E-N-T dot J-A-L-I-P-A at S-F-G-O-V dot O-R-G. If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the supervisors and also included as part of the official file. Uh, you may also send your written comments via U.S. Postal Service to our office in City Hall. That's one, Dr. Carlton B. Good Place, room 244, San Francisco, California, 94102. And Madam Chair, items acted upon today are expected to appear on the Board of Supervisors agenda of November 14th, unless otherwise stated. Madam Chair. Thank you so much. And with that, um, just wanted to alert everyone that today um, on the agenda, we have items one, seven, and eight uh, that actually have the budget and legislative analyst report. That means for those items, we will have the department's presentation, then uh, the BLA report, followed by questions and public comments. And also, before we call item one, we'll need to excuse Supervisor Ashar Safai, who is now chairing the retirement board meeting at this very same time. So, um, do I need to, could, could we do that without objection? Sure. Seeing that, Supervisor Safai is excused. And with that, uh, please call item number one. Yes, item number one is a resolution retroactively authorizing the Department of the Environment uh, to accept and expend a grant of approximately 605000 uh, for a term of three years from September 12, 2023 through September 11, 2026 for the United States Department of Energy's Vehicle Technologies Office to expand an electric bicycle pilot for delivery workers and to authorize the Director of the Environment uh, to enter into and execute the grant agreement and the amendments thereto and execute the contracts between the city and various agencies consistent with the aforementioned proposal and necessary to carry out the purpose of the grant or this resolution. Madam Chair. Thank you, and today we have um, Joseph uh, Piaski uh, from Policy and Public Affairs Coordinator from uh, SF Environment. Good morning. Thank you, Chair Chan, Vice Chair Mandelman, um, Joe Piasecki from San Francisco Environment. Uh, we're going to be briefly presenting on this A&E before BLA gives its report. I'd like to introduce my colleague, Hannah Troon, who is our clean, uh, clean Transportation Program Manager, who will be giving our department's presentation today. Thank you, Joe. Just pulling up the slides. Good morning, supervisors. My name is Hannah Troon. As Joe mentioned, I'm the Clean Transportation Program Manager for the Environment Department. I'll be presenting on this e-bike pilot grant award that the department received from the U.S. Department of Energy. So this $605,000 grant award will build upon an existing state-funded e-bike pilot for delivery workers. This grant will expand the number of participants in the current program and develop online decision-making tools, including a cost-benefit calculator and an e-bike selection tool. The DOE grant builds on the $2.4 million California Energy Commission grant that the department received last year in 2022 to implement the four projects listed on this slide on the right, identified in the city's electric vehicle-ready community blueprint. So in addition to the e-bike pilot, the current one that's um, ongoing, the state grant funds a charging ombudsperson, infrastructure mapping tool, and a fast charging hub in an underserved community. The e-bike pilot was also identified as a priority action in the city's climate action plan uh, and inspired by the local agency formation commission's emerging mobility labor study. So the new DOE funding will support up to 50 additional uh, e-bike pilot participants to participate in the pilot with a goal of reaching up to 80 total delivery workers uh, participating. 
We've seen strong demand so far with the current pilot when we did initial recruitment for the 30 state-funded participants in March, we received 173 eligible applications across 21 zip codes. So ultimately, this new funding will expand the data available to the pilot, provide more San Franciscans with access to this emerging technology, and develop new public resources to help delivery workers make the decision on whether to switch to an e-bike. So we launched the first state-funded e-bike cohort in June this year, and these photos just show a few images of the classroom and on-bike safety trainings that the San Francisco Bicycle Coalition facilitated as a part of this program. And so we're hopeful that the pilot's findings will demonstrate that e-bikes can, e can be a faster, cleaner, and more cost-effective method for last-mile food delivery, and we've already started to, started to gather lessons learned for future policy design and infrastructure needs. And so we look forward to continuing to learn more with this program expansion. Thank you for your time this morning. I'm happy to take any questions. Thank you. Morning, Supervisors. Nick Bernard from the Budget Legislative Analyst Office. Item one is a resolution that approves the acceptance of a grant um, from the U.S. Department of Energy to the San Francisco Department of Environment. The grant has a value of approximately $605,000 and requires a one-to-one -one match by the city. And the grant has a three-year term uh, retroactive to, to December 2023 through December 2026. Um, this grant will be used to fund an expansion of the ongoing um, analysis of use of electrical bikes by app-based delivery workers and how it impacts their earnings and safety and other, other metrics tracked by the program manager at the Department of Environment. Uh, you can see the entire program costs is on page four of our report. It's $1.4 million. That includes this $605,000 grant. The matching fund requirement will be met by um, a previously awarded state grant uh, the, uh, for the California Energy Commission grant that the board approved last year. Um, and so there'll be no general fund money using, uh, used for this match. We do recommend approval of item one. Thank you, um, and thank you. I appreciate the presentation. I also appreciate the mention of uh, Local Agency Formation Commission as its chair. I appreciate uh, the partnership uh, and to see that both LAFCO and uh, SFE uh, environments can continue with this program. Uh, also given the former uh, supervisor, uh, District 4 supervisor, Supervisor Gordon Marr, also the former LAFCO commissioner. Uh, this was his, um, really his baby, I, so to speak, and to seeing that today and seeing that it finally is launched and um, it's, it's a very good thing. I uh, look forward to seeing how it grow and to see how it could expand um, to a possible, I know that uh, our colleague, Supervisor Dean Preston, also a commissioner on LAFCO, uh, it's, it's exploring municipal bike rental and hopefully uh, with that uh, we can see how this was done and, and see what we can do to also move a municipal bike rental forward. And with that, uh, Let's go to public comment. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Chair. We now invite members of the public who have joined us today uh, and who wish to speak on this item to line up now. Uh, we invite speakers to come forward and all speakers will have two minutes to speak. Madam Chair, we have no speakers. Seeing no public comments, public comment is now closed. And we'd like to uh, move this item to full board with recommendation and roll call, please. And on that motion, the forward to the full board with a positive recommendation, Vice Chair Mandelman. Mandelman, aye. Chair Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. We have two ayes. We have member Safi excused. Thank you, and the motion passes. Let's go to item number two. Thank you. Yes, item number two is a resolution retroactively authorizing the Department of Public Health to enter into a participation agreement for county-based medical administrative activities effective July 1st, 2019. They'll remain in full force and effect until terminated by either the department or the California Department of Healthcare Services with anticipated revenue to the city of one million or more and to authorize the department to enter into any amendments or modifications to the agreement prior to its final execution by all parties that do not materially increase the obligations or liabilities to the city and are necessary to effectuate the purposes of the agreement or this resolution. Uh, Madam Chair. Thank you, and today we have Department of Public Health here. Thank you. Hi, good morning, uh, Chair Chan and Vice Chair Mandelman. 
Thank you so much for having me present to you today. Um, my name is Rowena Maranya, and I am the Medi-Cal Administrative Activities Coordinator for San Francisco. And just a little bit about, a uh, little quick intro about the CMA program. Uh, County Medi-Cal Administrative Activities is a federal reimbursement program. It's run uh, by CMS at the federal level, and it reimburses counties for a portion of the expense of administering the Medi-Cal program. Um, the CMA program is administered at the state level by the Department of Healthcare Services on behalf of CMS. And currently, um, DPH participants generate over $13 million a year in revenue. Uh, the, the program is a very important source of revenue for the city and county of San Francisco, and reimbursement helps pay for work that staff members already do on a day-to-day -day basis to keep our life-saving program strong. And this is just a list of the claimable activities. Our participants perform Medi-Cal outreach, referral coordination and monitoring of Medi-Cal services, facilitating Medi-Cal applications, contract administration for Medi-Cal covered services, policy development and program planning around Medi-Cal covered services, and MA implementation training. And the reason why I stand before you today is due to uh, the participation agreement that we have with DHCS. In prior years, the county, the city and county of San Francisco maintained a participation agreement with DHCS that renewed every three years. And it also stipulated a maximum dollar amount in, in the, the agreements. DHCS has recently drafted a new participation agreement which would replace the existing contract with the city going forward. And this agreement would eliminate the need for renewals since it will not include an expiration date. And it would remain in full force and effect until terminated by either DPH or DHCS. And in addition, a maximum dollar amount for claiming will no longer be required, therefore revenue would no longer be capped. And the reason why this uh, resolution is retroactive is because DPH received amendments from DHCS to this uh, existing agreement after the agreement start date. And the amendments from DHCS stipulated that the agreement is going to be retroactive from July 1st, 2019. So DPH agrees with the new CMA participation agreement, and we request that you approve the proposed resolution. Thank you, and I welcome any questions at this time. Thank you, and so I, I see the, the um, agreement itself says that we will receive um, one million dollars or more, and I can understand that because now we no longer have a cap. Do you, by any projection, that perhaps we, how much more we will receive um, now that we do not have a cap? Um, well, currently we, we generate about 13 million a year, um, sometimes more. It's been, it, I've seen it go up to about 15 million, um, but now there will no longer be a cap. And I mean, we're always looking for opportunities to expand and grow the program. So it's great that, you know, there would no longer be that limit we could, um, raise as much revenue as, as we can, <laughs> depending on how many, how we grow the program and how many participants get added annually. Thank you, and uh, because I'm a layperson and trying to still learn about just healthcare services, um, and could you um, please help me understand if any, maybe perhaps that this is not a relevant question at all, um, the state of California has now uh, launched, I think, um, this program, I guess, is CalAIM. Uh, and does that impact us at all, or how, is this relevant at all? And feel free to say, no, it's not even relevant at all, but. I am not aware that it's relevant to the MOP program. Okay, thank you. 
Mm -hmm. uh, with that, let's go to public comment. Yes, Madam Chair, and now's the opportunity for members of the public who wish to speak on this item too. Um, Madam Chair, we have no speakers. Thank you, seeing no public comments. Public comment is now closed. We'd like to move this item to full board with recommendation and with that, a roll call, please. And on that motion, to forward with a positive recommendation, Vice Chair Mandelman. Mandelman, aye. Chair Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. We have two ayes with Member Safai excused. Thank you, and the motion passes. Please call item number three. Yes, item number three is a resolution retroactively authorizing the Office of Contract Administration to execute a Third Amendment to a contract with Bar None Auction for as-needed auction services, extending the duration by one year from October 1st, 2023, for a total contract duration of five years from October 1st, 2019 through September 30th, 2024, with an increase in anticipated revenue of 800000 for a total anticipated revenue amount of $2.9 million. Madam Chair. Thank you, and today we have the uh, Office of Contract Administration here. Thank you. Thank you, good morning. Uh, my name is Will Alderman. I am a procurement manager with the Office of Contract Administration. Uh, today I will summarize the recommendations made by the Office of Contract Administration in regards to citywide auction services for surplus assets. Uh, this is an as-needed contract the contract is not guaranteed any money, or the contractor is not guaranteed any money under the contract. The anticipated revenue value is estimated at about $2.99 million over a five-year duration. City departments utilize the contract for auction services to dispose of any surplus assets. The cost for shipping, transport, et cetera, are taken from the proceeds. Uh, the city currently pays 0% of the sale to the auction company. Uh, the auction company gets paid via buyer premiums. Um, the revenue values are going to increase or decline as assets age out. Uh, revenue is expected to increase by about $800,000 this year to a total of $2.99 million over five years. As such, we request your approval for the auction services revenue contract. Thank you, this concludes our presentation and we're available for any questions. Thank you, I appreciate this. Uh, it's always good to know that we're utilizing a service that allow us to rid surplus items. And uh, with that, let's go to public comment. Thank you. Yes, now we invite members of the public who have joined us today uh, who wish to speak on this item number three to step forward and provide your testimony. Madam Chair, we have no speakers. Thank you. Seeing no public comments, public comment is now closed. I would like to move this item to full board with recommendation. Thank you so much for this, while technical but important as contract. Um, and let's move this roll call. And on that motion, I'll forward to the full board with a positive recommendation, Vice Chair Mandelman. Mandelman, aye. Chair Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. We have two ayes. Member Safai excused. Thank you. The motion passes. Please call item number four. Item number four is a resolution affirming San Francisco's compliance with certain state housing laws in support of the Municipal Transportation Agency's application for funding by the Metropolitan Transportation Commission's One Bay Area Grant Program, or OBAG-3. Madam Chair. Thank you, and today we have SFMTA here. Good morning, Chair Chan, Supervisor Madelman. Uh, Joel Ramos, Local Government Affairs Manager. Um, I'm here mostly just to state that we are here asking you for your support for this resolution. Um, this is going to allow us to obtain some uh, critically needed OBAG funding through MTC. Um, I would like to hand it over to my colleague, our planning director, uh, Maya Small, who's here. And we also have um, transportation planner, Kathy Studwell, for um, any uh, questions that might come up with regard to technical details. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, Supervisors. Uh, Maya Small, SFMTA, and uh, the purpose of this uh, resolution is really for us just to be able to access funding. It's federal funding that comes down through our regional uh, partner, MTC. Um, this money, or already we have about $21 million. It's been allocated for a couple of key projects, and that's been very successful. This next batch that's coming is about another uh, almost $22 million. This will support critical transit optimization and pedestrian safety projects. Um, and I'm happy to go into more detail on those um, as needed. Uh, the two big ones 
uh, are the Embarcadero, um, some pub, uh, pedestrian safety improvements, um, and we also have a 29 Sunset uh, improvements, phase one and phase two, uh, Chair Chan, I think you're quite familiar with, and so we're, these are also under our Muni Equity Strategy, um, as well as supporting a lot of kids and caregivers getting to school, so this is why we're making those uh, phase one and phase two um, uh, projects. It's the one uh, consideration is that we now, of course, have a compliant housing element, which is allowing us to continue to access these funds. Um, MTC has passed a resolution, uh, 4505, which asks us to do one additional thing that we need to complete by the end of the year, by December 31st, which is that we need to affirm our uh, compliance with uh, very specific state housing law, particular, in particular uh, state uh, density bonus laws, uh, the ADU, accessory dwelling units, and surplus lands. This is just basically an opportunity for us to reaffirm things that we are already doing. Um, and once we have this resolution passed, um, then of course we can have the seamless um, accessibility to these, these funds that are so important for us. I'm happy to answer any additional questions um, and to get into more detail about the projects as, as you'd like. Thank you. I uh, thank you so much for the pre uh, presentation and also thank you so much for having a briefing in advance and just to help me understand um, the language uh, within this resolution so that we can be certified as in compliance of the housing elements and receive these grants uh, through MTC. And with that, uh, let's go to public comment. Thank you, Madam Chair. We, uh, we are now opening public comment for those who wish to uh, provide their comments to item number four. Madam Chair, we have no speakers. Seeing no public comments, public comment is now closed. Uh, I would like to move this item to full board with recommendation, and with that, a roll call, please. And on that motion, forward this resolution to the full board with a positive recommendation, Vice Chair Mandelman. Mandelman, aye. Chair Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. We have two ayes with Member Safai excused. Thank you, and the motion passes. Um, should clerk please call item number five and six together? Yes, item number five and six. Item five is a resolution authorizing the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development to expend SOMA Community Stabilization Fund dollars and the amount of 99000 to engage a consultant team in developing a new five-year strategic plan to address various impacts of destabilization on residents and businesses in SOMA for a term to commence effective upon approval of this resolution through November 30th, 2025. And item number six is a resolution retroactively approving the fiscal year 2022 uh, housing opportunities for persons with AIDS permanent supportive housing renewal grant and authorizing the mayor on behalf of the city and county to accept and expand the city's fiscal year 2022 HOPWA permanent supportive housing renewal grant from the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development in the amount of approximately $1.5 million for the period of June 1st, 2023 through May 31st, 2026. Madam Chair. Thank you. And we have uh, the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development here. Hi. Good morning, uh, Supervisors Chan and Mandelman. I'm Claudine Del Rosario, back before you, representing MoCD to request an authorization to expend 99000 from the SOMA Community Stabilization Fund. Um, this dollar amount will pay for a consultant team that will work with MoCD and the Community Advisory Committee on a new strategic plan to specifically guide the programming and expenditures of new development fees directed to the fund from the central SOMA plan. An RFQ was put out by MoCD in March of this year we received three proposals and our review panel scored the proposals and presented the highest scoring proposal to the CAC in August, at which point the CAC unanimously and enthusiastically recommended to forward this request to the Board of Supervisors for authorization. Uh, that is all that I have today and I'm available, happy to answer any questions. Thank you and uh if I understand correctly, the, for the SOMA Community Stabilization Fund, this item or similarly has come before us uh, and that for the other funds that we end up approving was also in a combination that we were able to augment it by other source. Is that That's correct? That's correct, yes. So the last strategic plan was done when we, um, before we received funds from the Rincon Hill area plan. 
and now we've gotten uh, funds from the Central Soma Plan to augment that. Yes. Yeah, and then that was for like the Cultivate Art and Soma Filipina. Yes, and a lot of capital funding. So very similar, a little bit different, but very similar to what we, we had before. Yeah. Thank you. I just wanted to to make sure I understand yes. uh, what, what we're approving today. And did you already speak on the, uh, the accept and expand grant as well for the housing opportunities? Oh, that's, that's next. Yes, please go ahead. Okay. Good morning, supervisors. Uh, I'm Helen Hale. I'm the director of housing services for the mayor's office of housing and community development. I'm here to present the accept and expend resolution authorizing our department to renew our fiscal year 2022 HAPWA permanent supportive housing renewal grant from the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development in the amount of 1.5, one, approximately 1.5 million for the period of July, June 1 through May 31st, 2026. This is a retroactive request because of the delay of the grant agreement from HUD. Don't really understand why it was delayed, but that, that is the reason we didn't receive it till almost September. First, this grant was with the Redevelopment Agency and it shifted over to MoCD upon their dissolution. The city has received support for this work, uh, which provides partial rental subsidies along with case management to individuals living with HIV that are seeking to enter the, the workforce. The competitive grant is for three years. At the end of each term, MoCD reapplies in a renewal process and, and HUD has chosen to renew us each time. Our CBO partner is Catholic Charities, who supported 80 individuals in the last fiscal year who are entering the job market. We're here to ask for your support for us to continue this important program with our HIV community. I'm happy to answer any questions that you may have at this time. Thank you. Uh, we don't have many more questions, so I think we can go to public comments now. Thank you so much for your presentation today. Um, let's go to public comment. Yes, we now invite members of the public who have joined us today uh, to speak on this item, uh, to line up to speak. Madam Chair, we have no speakers. Seeing no public comments, public comment is now closed. We'd like to move items five and six uh, to full board with recommendation and a roll call, please. And on that motion to forward both resolutions and item five and six to the full board with a positive recommendation, Vice Chair Mandelman. Mandelman, aye. Chair Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. We have two ayes with Member Safai excused. The motion passes. Thank you Thank so much. You. Um, Mr. Clerk, please call items 7, 8, and 9 together. Yes, item numbers 7 through 9. Our resolutions approving and authorizing the following and authorizing the director uh, of property to enter into any extensions, amendments, or modifications to the lease that do not materially increase the obligations or liabilities to the city and are necessary to effectuate the purposes of the respective leases or the, or the resolutions. Uh, item number 7. Uh, authorizes the director of property on behalf of the Department of Public Health to execute a Fourth Amendment to a lease of real property located at 716 to 720 Sacramento Street with 716 Sacramento LLC and DLS Sacramento LLC had a base rent of 370000 per year with 3% annual increases for an initial term commencing upon execution of the lease and after approval of the resolution by the Board of Supervisors and Mayor in their respective role and absolute discretion for the total term of December 1st, 1996 through June 30th, 2026, with two one-year options to extend. Item number eight authorizes and approves the lease of a portion of the real property located at 2205 Jennings Street with J.D. Harney Incorporated, John Daniel Harney and Patricia uh, Bernadette Patricia Harney, co-trustees or successor trustee of the John Daniel Harney and Bernadette Patricia Harney Revocable Living Trust under agreement dated August 13th, 1987 as Community Property and MM 1495 Wall LP uh, for an initial three-year term and an annual base rent of 264000 3% annual increases to base rent plus one five-year extension option to further extend the term of the lease effective upon approval of that resolution. And item number nine uh, authorizes and approves the lease of real property located at 42 Gulf Street with Golf Club LLC uh, for a three-year term at an initial base rent of approximately 44.4,000 per year with annual rent increases based on the consumer price index of 3% to 5% with one option to extend for one year effective upon approval of that resolution. Madam Chair. Thank you, and we have items seven and eight 
that both have the budget and legislative analyst report. So maybe what we should do is we'll go to per item, the real estate go with the presentation and seven and then back for eight and then eight for the report. Thank you. Very good. Uh, good morning, uh, Chair Chan, Vice Chair Mandelman, Enrico Pinnock, Director of Real Estate. I'm before you today on item number seven, asking for your positive recommendation for a resolution authorizing a lease of approximately 9250 square feet at 716 720 Sacramento Street uh, on behalf of the Department of Public Health. DPH occupies this premise, have occupied this premises since 1996, and they currently operate the Chinatown Child Development Center out of this location, also known as the CCDC. The CCDC's mission is to promote the social economic well-being of children, youth, and their families in San Francisco by providing comprehensive mental health services which are easily accessible and linguistically and culturally appropriate. The current lease provided for a five-year option to renew at a fixed price that we determined exceeded the fair market value. Um, and in addition, DPH desired flexibility in the termination date to allow for a possible relocation to a new space in the future. As a result, instead of bringing to you the option, which are shown on the screen uh, on the upper level, at a rent rate of $57.40, real estate negotiated the following terms. We negotiated a three-year deal with two one-year options to extend. We uh, also reduced the rent to $370,000 per year, which equates to $40 per square foot. Um, this flexibility, again, allows for DPH to either remain or um, move to a possible location in the future. That concludes my presentation. I have Anna Beligzik, excuse me, and David Bergenoni from DPH with me to answer any questions you may have. Thank, Thank you. you. Item seven is a resolution that approves um, an amendment to an existing lease uh, with the city as a tenant uh, between uh, th the city and 716 Sacramento LLC and DLS Sacramento LLC, the owner of 716-720 Sacramento Street. Uh, the, lease, um, is, it would, the lease extension would be from retroactive to July 2023 to June 2026 um, and has two one-year options to extend. The this is a site that has been leased by the Department of Public Health since 1996 for the Chinatown Child Development Center to provide mental health services to children and families in the area. We detail on page eight of our report the fiscal impact of the lease. Uh, the, the rent is decreasing from about $530,000 uh, to $370,000 in the first year of the extension. And then there's 3% escalations uh, for the next two years. If the, if the uh, options to extend or exercise, the rent would be reset to market rate at each option. And the rent is paid for by the general fund. Uh, I do believe this is a retroactive approval because it is extending the lease as of July 2023. 2023. So we do recommend approval of this resolution, but also recommend item seven be amended to clarify that it's a retroactive approval. Thank you. Are we in agreement that it should list it as retroactive back to July 1st, 2023? Or, okay. Um, while we trying to get to the retroactive date, I just uh, wanted to understand uh, from Department of Public Health that um, as we are going through this, both the um, short, I consider, you know, like a three-year lease with um, uh, for the Chinatown Children Development Community sites. Um, 
what is the future plan, if we can discuss about the future plan for the future location. Good morning. Thank you, Chair Chan, Vice Chair Mandelman. I am Anna Vlidzik. I'm the Government Affairs Manager at DPH. I'm here on behalf of Greg Wagner, uh, who is the Chief Operating Officer at DPH, who unfortunately could not be here today. The future plans for Chinatown Public Health Center is dependent on the public health and safety bond that is scheduled for November 2024. Uh, the plan is, uh, according to the public's health and safety bond, is to relocate and co-locate the Chinatown, CCDC with Chinatown Public Health Center, otherwise known as Public Health Center Number 4. Um, but that, of course, is dependent on the election and the bond passing as well as um, the time needed, assuming that it does pass, the time needed for build-out and construction. So therefore, we are um, respectfully requesting approval of this resolution. Thank you. Um, as we understand it, like at its current location, it's about 9,250 square feet of office space. Uh, in this loca location, will there be comparable space for the Chinatown Child Development Center then in the in the um, Chinatown Public Health Clinic uh, number four. I unfortunately don't have those details with you right now, but I can go get those uh, questions answered and circle back with you. My understanding is that there w would be adequate space, but let me confirm and circle back with your office. That'd be great. I mean, I think that the public health uh, bond will come back to this body um, for discussion. Uh, I do look forward to with that presentation then is to be able to be clear about uh, the scope of, of the project uh, that will be inclusive, the Chinatown Child Development Center, and help us understand uh, what other services, both the existing service that is being provided by the clinic at the current location on Powell Streets, um, and after renovation, what like what would that actually look like if it's an expansion, of course, of, of the existing site. Good morning, uh, Good morning, Chair Chan and Vice Chair Mandelman. My name is Dave Borgignoni, and I'm the operations manager for the behavioral health system of care at the Department of Public Health. So it's a multidisciplinary clinic that is mostly outpatient. So mm -hmm. families, children, and parents are seen on site. In addition, there are services offered in the community for up to 10 or 13 school districts if there's a local crisis or a need uh, for any of the outpatient clinic services, each psychiatry, uh, mental health, or crisis in the community. Thank you, and I, I just look forward to seeing how it's incorporated uh, onto that site uh, at Power Street for the future. And, uh, and so I appreciate uh, the effort and uh, look forward to seeing more information. Absolutely. Thank you both. Thank you. Chair Chen, Enrico Penick again, Director of Real Estate. Uh, as to your question with regards to an amendment to uh, make this retroactive, uh, I greatly respect the work that the BLA does and I rarely disagree with them, but I have to respectfully do so in this occasion. Um, I think that the BLA is confusing holdover with retroactivity. Um, right now, we are in holdover on this lease. Um, the holdover is a function of the original lease and the amendments. Um, I think that um, a simple example might be able to explain the differences between the two. Uh, hypothetically speaking, let's assume that the, this committee rejected the, the amendment. The rent that we've been paying up to this point would not change because it's under the original lease and all of that has been approved by the board and done and dusted. If this were a retroactive amendment, then the $40 that we've been paying while in holdover would change because that $40 would have been contingent Lower. upon yeah. future action of the board, which didn't happen. So in this particular case, the monies that we paid while in holdover won't change whether you approve or disapprove this amendment. And, and I think that is the part, and anybody can jump in to clarify, 
as it currently is, right, like we are um, actually going to, um, there's a decrease for the new lease, if I understand correctly. Yes, we're going to $40 per square foot, which right. I believe is an increase under the before yeah, the holdover. Yeah, $40 per square foot, uh, so it's a, actually a, a, a decrease by like 30.3%. And so the question I think that we are now asking is that um, if we were to do the retroactive, it, but no. my assumption is, so, so I think that the question is when exactly is this new lease term? The new lease term starts upon the board approval and the mayor approval. So it doesn't, it doesn't revert back. The monies that we've been paying heretofore uh, under the old lease as part of the holdover provision. And I think that the danger of confusing holdover with retroactivity is that it would it will have, to pay have the landlords yeah. and my staff and the BLA consider that there's a possibility that the holdover is somehow contingent that upon board future action because that's what retroactivity means. Basically, if you had a retroactive lease, the agreement that you have is tentative and subject to board further ratification. That's not the case here. The $40 that we've agreed to is agreed to. It is not contingent because it, it falls under the Third Amendment and the original lease in the Third Amendment. Let me try to understand this then. I can understand if what you're saying is that the $40 per square foot only happens when, after we approve this new lease extension. But what you're saying is it, you've been paying that for the whole, whole over. I, I mean, I can, I can understand if you're saying to me that, Supervisor, if, you, if we approve the retroactivity, then that means because you have not been paying the decrease rent and therefore the retroactivity to date back to July then uh, of this year, then it will re require some type of reimbursement of the rent that we've been paying from the landlord because we've been paying at a uh, higher rate. And with the new lease extension and amendments, we will then be paying at a lower rate. Is that what you're saying? Therefore, I, uh, retroactivity becomes problematic for you. I'm, I'm sorry, Chair Chen, I didn't quite follow that. Um, I believe that we're paying $40 per square foot in the holdover period per agreement. And that the fourth amendment, that the new amendment, if approved, would continue that rate. So instead of paying the $57 in holdover, we were paying $40 in holdover. Okay. And that the Fourth Amendment, and we were paying that $40 pursuant to the original lease. If this amendment is approved, it will commence when the board and the mayor approves the resolution, and we will continue to pay that $40 plus annual increases for the term of the new amendment. Hmm. Uh, Vice Chair Mandelman, help me out. Well, I actually think it's a legal question, <laughs> um, maybe. But it's, I mean, what's the date that's going to be on the amendment? July 1st. Well, and then maybe I don't even, you know, I'm not going to practice law here. <laughs> um, Deputy City Attorney Ann Pearson, I am not familiar with the specific terms of this lease, but as I understand it, there is this holdover period that is during which the, um, there, there are terms that guide and dictate what we're paying in the terms of the rental and that your approval is being sought not back to July, but for this amendment moving forward. And I, I'm sorry, Chair Chen, uh, I appear to be confused. We are paying a higher rate than the $40 and the BLA is correct. This would be a retroactive lease. I apologize, the confusion was mine and not the BLA's. Can I just say something yes, here? The reason the holdover provision, which I actually read, says that it does not extend the term of the lease and that the amendment on the, in the legislative file 
says that the term begins July 2023. This is a retroactive approval. Okay, thank you. I just wanna sort of, uh, if I may, uh, just for my own you know, uh, clarification so that I understand what is going on here to make sure that we're all now on the same page. Because even though it sounds like we are now, um, I just wanted to summarize so that I at least understand correctly is that the, the terms of the lease that we're before us today for uh, approval is really officially starting um, July, um, 2023 of this year, and which then allows the city to pay actually at a lesser rate at $40 per square foot. And so it, it is the reason why that we are now what need to amend the resolution, not, not the terms of the lease, the, the actually resolution indicating that it is retroactively approved starting from July first 2023 of this year so that we can sort of rectify the fact that we've been paying uh, $40 per square foot less starting July of this year. That's absolutely correct. Okay. Great. Sorry. Sorry. And one other thing, Chair Chen, which is in our report, which is that the amendment in the legislative file, um, there's what I believe are typos in the amendment. It says $40 a square foot, but then it says the base rent is $454,000 when it should say $370,000. And we've talked to real estate about staff about this, and they agree that it is an error and that it, this rent going forward will actually be $370,000. But I just want to confirm that on the record because the, the, the document in the legislative file Right. That Not you're the approving resolution. is inconsistent with the mm -hmm. resolution. Yeah. So are we going to go back? I'm sorry. So um, are we going to go back to correct the actual lease documents? Because it sounds to me that what we're saying is, hey, you know, the resolution is cor we The resolution needs to be amended for the dates for retroactive of July 1st, 2023. However, the dollar amount is correct in the resolution. But but in ter in terms of the lease document itself the calculation of $40 per square foot does not equate to the total dollar amount of rent. Is that, is that a correct understanding? And therefore we I need to- I think the final version of the lease uh, will, be will be different than what's on the, the, the version in the legislative file, which is a draft version that hasn't been approved yet because it hasn't been approved by the board, needs to be, needs to be revised to reflect the actual annual rent. We, we can revise the lease to correct that typographical error. Great. Thank you. I appreciate this. And uh, thank you so much uh, for helping me understand. And with that, uh, we can go to item eight. Good morning again, Chair Chan, Vice Chair Mandelman, and Draco Panic again, Director of Real Estate. I'm before you seeking your positive recommendation for a resolution approving a lease of approximately 10,000 square feet of warehouse space and 5,000 square feet of parking at 2205 Jennings Street on behalf of the Department of Technology, or DT. Uh, Mr. Clerk, can we have the mm -hmm. um, yep. presentation? Thank you. Um, DT's radio shop is located at 200 Paul Avenue, and DT also entered into a companion lease for storage of uh, vehicles, materials, and equipment at 1755 uh, Egbert. In July of 2021, the Egbert site was sold and the city was given 60 days to vacate. The real estate division was able to, the real estate division was able to find a suitable alternative site at 2205 Jennings Street and entered into a short-term administrative lease in order to vacate uh, timely from the Egbert site. The real estate division has now negotiated a longer-term lease at Jennings Street 
to make it coterminous with the lease at 200 Paul. The site again is 10,000 square feet with 5,000 square feet of yard. The negotiated rent is 22,000 per month or 264,000 annually with 3% annual increases. Uh, the deal structure is industrial gross wherein the city will pay its own utilities. Um, the term starts upon the approval of the board and the mayor and will expire December 31st, 2026, which is coterminous with the 200 Paul lease. There is one five-year option to extend, uh, which is also identical to the 200 Paul. This allows DT to determine whether it can collate both of these sites in a new location or extend the status quo for an additional five years. Uh, that concludes my presentation. Um, I'm available to answer any questions you may have. Thank you. Good morning again. Item eight is a resolution that approves a new lease between uh, the, the Department of Technology um, and the owners of uh, 2205 Jennings Street. Uh, the, this is a new lease with a approximately three year term through December 2026. Um, and we detailed the fiscal impact on page 12 of our report. The total rent um, over that three-year period would be approximately $816,000 paid for by the general fund. This um, lease is used by the Department of Technology's Public Safety Division for storage um, and, and, and vehicle parking. Uh, it is near um, another site, 200 Paul, where the staff for that division are. And the expiration of this lease coincides with the expiration of the 200 Paul lease to allow the city um, to um, perhaps bring them into one space or a city-owned space. Um, we also know in, in our report that this is a 48% increase above the existing lease for that site, but it is, it is still below market rate in that shorter term or at or below market rate. Uh, we believe uh, it's still a good deal for the city. And this, the, the shorter term lease, um, that is the agreement that allows the city to occupy the site now, uh, was entered into to allow the city to immediately occupy it. Uh, and I still, I feel comfortable recommending approval of item eight. Thank you. I, I think I have a, just a quick question. I think just wanted to, would like, um, for you to, um, Director uh, Pendrick, uh, to elaborate just a little bit about um, for the relocation or the, the reasoning for relocation and identifying the new site for DT, for Department of Technology. Um, yes, thank you, um, Chair Chan. Um, as I said before, we, were, we had a storage facility uh, at 1775 Egbert. That property was bought by PG&E from a private property owner PG&E bought the property for its own uh, purposes and refused to grant the city a lease. Uh, per the terms of our lease with the private property owner, we only had 60 days to vacate to make room for PG&E. The owners at Jennings were uh, kind enough to give us a below market rent in order to facilitate a quick relocation uh, in the anticipation that this longer term lease would be coming for the board to the board for your consideration. Thank you, I appreciate, I appreciate uh, helping us uh, in doing this work uh, to get us out of the bind of 60 days being evicted by PG&E. Um, appreciate that, and then with that, let's go to item number nine. We're ready for item number nine. 44, uh, 42 golf, go ahead. Sorry, it's all you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, for a second there, I thought we were doing seven and eight first and then nine. Um, again, um, Chair Chan, Vice Chair Mandelman, Enrico Pennick, Director of Real Estate. I'm before you today seeking your positive recommendation for a resolution to approve a new lease at 42 Goff 
for approximately 1,744 square feet of space to be used as a parent resource hub uh, managed by the Health Services Agency or HSA. The city proposes to lease this space for the parent resource hub. A parent resource hub uh, serves as a centralized support facility for foster parents to access multiple resources, such as donating items, providing a location for uh, foster parents to meet and parents' associations, and also a, a designated safe place for foster youth to engage in age-appropriate activities. The terms of this lease are three years commencing on December 1, 2023. There is one year, there is uh, um, one option to renew for one year at 95% uh, fair market value. The base rent is $25.50 per square foot or $44,472 per year fully serviced. Uh, that comes with two months of free rent. The adjustments are based upon CPI or the consumer price index bracketed between three and 5%. We also have the option to rent two spaces at $120 per month each for the use by parents and volunteers. The landlord will provide certain tenant improvements, namely floor coverings, paint, and some security upgrades requested by HSA uh, at the landlord's expense. That concludes my presentation. I'm available to answer any questions you may have. Thank you. I don't have questions on this one and also again appreciate the work that uh, you're doing you and your team are doing um, with that let's uh, just wanted to summarize seven uh, from seven eight and nine uh, from I for item seven uh, we are in agreement to amend item seven for the retroactive day to be July 1st 2023 uh, we do not have any more questions on item eight and nine and actually appreciate real estate teams work on both items and helping us uh, definitely for the Jenning 2205 Jenning Street relocation of for our Department of um, technology, which we appreciate. Um, so with that, uh, it is our hope, or it is our goal, uh, after public comments, that we will amend item seven, as recommended by budget and legislative analyst, and then move all three items to full board with recommendation. And on that motion, let's go to public comment. Thank you, Madam Chair. We are now opening public comment for items seven through nine, and invite members of the public to step up if they want to, to provide their comments. Madam Chair, we have no speakers in the chamber. Uh, with seeing no public comments, public comment is now closed. Uh, we will amend uh, item seven as recommended by uh, budget and legislative analysts to the retroactive date of July 1st, 2023, and, uh, and move, well, I guess we have to do one motion at a time. And let's move that motion to amend item seven. Roll call, please. And on that motion to amend item seven to include uh, retroactive language for a July 1st approval. And uh, did you also, I, I'm sorry, Madam Chair, did you also move to, uh, to forward as amended or we're just taking the vote on amending? Let's just do the amend and then we'll move all three together. Okay. One motion at okay. a time. Very good. Okay, so on the motion to amend item seven to include retroactive uh, language um, for a July 1st approval and to forward items seven, eight, and nine, item seven as amended to the full board with a positive recommendation. Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Chair Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Uh, we have two ayes, but Member Safai excused. The motion passes and then uh, for amendments and then let's move um, all three items including item seven as amended item eight and nine to full board with recommendation and the motion for that please uh, uh, for a roll call for that motion please um actually uh chair chan i did call that motion and oh, we did? did yeah oh, and we're we good. Did, yes sorry i like spacing out <laughs> um okay thank you and with that do we have any other uh business before us today. Uh, Madam Chair, that concludes our business. The meeting is adjourned. Thank you.